Today's version of El Politico was recorded on Thursday the 4th of November at 11.42am. Terms and conditions may apply and conditions may have changed by the time you hear it. Take it away. Thunderbirds are go. Um, this is El Politico. I believe you bought a franchise in Dunkin' Donuts, Luke, that you've been yearning so much to get back to the United States that today we're going to start with um, a journey to Joe Biden country as opposed to our own native Ireland. For a change, why not? Well, it's been a few weeks since we've been on the, on the airways with the El Politico and uh, a big welcome as usual to Paul Bugler and the guru himself, Luke Fleming. Take it away. Well, well, to try and keep you interested, Tom, you know, because it's going to be quite difficult. It's going to be quite difficult today. I'm looking at a clock. Yeah. We're, we're in a new sequence of events here. We're, we're, we're on a, we're on a <laughs> timer. It's like a basketball yeah, game. Yeah, it's, yeah, like yeah. That, it's already a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed from the clock. We haven't started. <laughs> sure, what's new? All right, okay. Um, we'll start a little bit, and we're going talking about um, politics in America. Right. There was uh, a few elections a night or two ago that you, I'd say, probably heard nothing about, know nothing about. Paul and myself know a little bit about it. And we're going to talk a bit, Paul, about Joe Manchin, okay? Because if you talk mm, about who? Yes. the most important person in the world currently is Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin? I bet you you've probably never Joe heard Joe Manchin, yeah. most important person in the world. And he doesn't, own, he doesn't own a house. Okay. He I sounds like a car salesman. He's a Democrat. Just bear that in mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. President Biden's poll numbers are, to use the technical term, not good. And for Democrats, there are even more troubling numbers underneath the surface. Harry, and in the numbers here, they tell a clear story. They do tell a clear story. You know, again, to use a technical term, not good. This is the trend in Joe Biden's job approval rating. You look at August 1st, you know, the approval was at 51. The disapproval was at 43. That was a net right there, a plus eight. But look at what happened. September 1, the net, minus two, the disapproval above the approval. And now minus five. So essentially going in the wrong direction. Not good. Clearly underwater at this point. So who is driving this, Harry? Well, this, I think, gives you the picture of who's driving it. So it's Biden's net approval by the party of the voters. And you can see, look, he's down among Democrats. He's down among Republicans. And he's down among independents. But among Democrats, he's down 10. Among Republicans, he's down 12. But look at this. Among independent He is down 19 points. He was in positive territory on August 1st at plus three. He's now at minus 16 points net approval rating with independence. It's those folks in the center of the electorate who are driving this. They've moved a lot and they've moved pretty quickly. Why are independents particularly important for Joe Biden? Because they are the reason that he won in the 2020 election. So this is comparing Joe Biden's 2020 margin to Hillary Clinton's 2016 party uh, margin by party of voter. And what do you see here? You see that among independents, look at that, Joe Biden won by 13 points. This was a group that Hillary Clinton lost by four. This was a massive change. 17 points movement towards Joe Biden. It was those voters in the center of the electorate who helped win him the election. And now that he is underwater with them, a very bad sign. What are they seeing or not seeing? Yeah. So I think this right here, look at this. So how much has Biden accomplished in office so far? In late April, look at this. 51%, a bare majority, but a majority nonetheless, said he accomplished a great or fair deal. Now look at late August. Look at this. Down to just 40%. Now the clear majority of voters say, look at this. 58% say he's accomplished only some or very little. So they don't think that Joe Biden has gone to office and done very much. I think vaccinations, which is a real push, 
for the administration, and they got a lot of people vaccinated. In late August with Delta, people may have not been feeling as good about that. That may be driving that. And there's another thing that maybe the White House could do or lean on going forward that could help turn this around. I think they could. So, look, if you're not doing anything, the real way to solve that is to do something. So look at popularity of Joe Biden versus his Build Back Better agenda. And what do we see here? Look, Joe Biden's overall job performance, look, he's underwater at minus five points. But look at this, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan. A lot more people support that 57% than approve of Biden at 44. And even the $3.5 trillion social programs plan, look at that, 53% support. And you can see it here. Look at this net, plus 30, plus 20, minus five. Doing something, passing this legislation could boost his approval rating because it actually shows he's doing something. Now then, that's, that's a, a point I want to come back to <coughs> later, Paul, because it's, it's the whole question of sort of doing something, and it's a question we'd come around to talk to about our own politicians. But it basically says, nine months into his presidential term, he's on the verge of writing his name into the history books. His president's approval rating is 42%, the lowest of his term to date, and the second lowest of any president at this moment in their presidency over the last five decades. Who was worse? At that early stage, um, at the early stage, who was worse? Trump? Correct. 37. Obama, 52. George W. Bush, 88. Uh, had a war to be thankful for. Uh, yes. George H. W. Bush, 70%, also had a war to be thankful for. And uh, Bill Clinton, 47. Even Ronnie Reagan, 53. And Carter, 54. Mm. You know? As recently as June, 56% of the country approved of the job he was doing. Those numbers have collapsed. At, and by the end of the summer, he's down to 49% in August, 43% in September. You could say the surge in COVID due to the Delta variant, the shambles of pulling the troops out of Afghanistan, which technically was something that Trump had agreed yes. to do the year before, yeah. and he was only following through on it. I think they sort of fell asleep at the wheel a little bit and how they did it, and the optics of sort of seeing, you know, 600 people trying mm. to jump onto a plane in Afghanistan to yeah. try and get out aren't good. Reference to one of the kind of iconic images of American history in politics yeah. with Vietnam yeah. and, and, and the roof of, yeah. of the um, embassy yeah, yeah. in 1976. Now, <coughs> the danger that's here uh, and this goes to next year there was a few uh, you call them the governorship elections gubernationals and we might talk a little bit about those but Tom the thing about this is um, Biden has until November next year to try and get stuff done okay mm -hmm. because Paul you tell us the numbers in yeah. the equivalent of the doll Right. Well, the minute we had the presidential election finished in, in the United States, people immediately turned their focus onto what they call the midterm elections. You have a kind of a two-year cycle in the United States between presidential election and Senate stroke Congress elections. Now, not all senators are up for election every two years, but you have this constant flow of um, electioneering, if you want to call it that. So these, I suppose, you can regard them sort of as referendum then on the incumbent president. It kind of reflects how it is that he is progressing his agenda politically. Um, we're only <clears throat> a short number of months in. We still have a year to go to the midterm elections, but we've had these, I suppose, 
outlier gubernationals, um, and we'll say the mayor of New York one as well, not as significant. That's more of a kind of a, of a, of a, of a kind of a performance type election, but interesting nonetheless. So these have probably started to make the Democratic Party sit up and think a little bit, especially the governorship of Virginia, I think was one that um, yeah. really stood out on Tuesday night. But um, I suppose the point is those things we mentioned there about it's look it's it's you could if you were uh, nervous about it it's a calamitous fall in 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 joe bryden's approval rating but it's 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 understandable and i think there could be a bit there's a bit of politics at play here as well vis-a-vis in him trying to progress his agenda and there are the two elements there in the agenda the social program which america badly needs and there is that infrastructural program which america badly needs and they have been identified and they have been structured and they have been created but they're stuck they're stuck in congress and this is the bit of politics going on here in in relation to how it is that maybe the republican members of congress see right if we can keep our foot on the throat of joe biden's um, initiatives, well then we can kind of slowly kind of kill him by a thousand cuts. This happened as well, we'll say, and it does happen in politics, and especially happens in the partisan nature of American politics now at this stage. It happened in Obama's second term, where he basically became a lame duck president. He didn't have um, a majority. He doesn't have a majority yeah. in Congress. And whilst on paper Biden is a lot stronger in Congress in that he has the majority in the lower house, the House of Representatives, mm. and I think it's at 50-50 and depends on a casting vote yep. with Kamala Harris as Vice President in Senate. There is a slight fly in the ointment or a slight kind of bugbear there in that there are a number of Democratic senators, um, the one you mentioned there at the start of this piece, that are basically holding up um, a lot of what it is that Biden's administration want to do. And basically, Tom, what it means, if he can't pass it, Right, he said it's fifty-fifty Republican Democrat at the minute. If there, if something goes to a vote where they all go down party lines, right, it's fifty-fifty, and Kamala Harris has the casting vote. Yeah, and they can pass it, right. If Joe Manchin decides I don't like this and he votes against it, Joe Manchin is a senator from is it West Virginia? Yeah, or if, he's a Virginian senator anyway. Who is and a he's, a he's a Democrat. But in all his his way of voting <laughs> has been more, you know, of the Republican um, way of doing things. He's keeping an eye on his on his um, electorate back in, 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 I, I in, suppose, in West Virginia. Uh, without trying to be too um, insincere about it, Tom, he's the Healy Ray of America. Okay, that That's describes it. it. Now he, he he's in a position at the moment where he has the balance of power in his hands you know there's a couple of more senators as well it's it's not quite 49 51 but it's they can't get to 50 to get this thing you know to get the casting vote um with the vice president you know 48 um, and he is and he has and he maintains and he holds um a lot of power in in the american congress now at the moment and, most and does it does it does it work like in ireland whereby if if you want healy ray to to back you up you decide to build an extension onto the hospital down in Tralee, or you decide yeah. to give a yeah a bit of pork, pork barrel, a bit of pork barrel politics negotiation. Yeah, there is there will be a bit of that. There's no doubt there will be a bit of that, and we'll start to see that as these figures now start to show themselves in relation to approval. We will start to see it. It'll they, start they to get all serious. These, they get all these plans, and it starts off as maybe a two trillion dollar budget. Then uh, there's talks with the Republicans and say we'll try and get it to be a get everyone to agree. So the two billion is slashed to one and a half straight away because the Republicans don't want to spend that money. And then 
there's all these little things tagged onto it and it's a bit like Johnny in sort of a sort of Texas wants X so that's yeah. put into the plan which is totally against what the plan stands for yeah right but then uh, Mary in sort of a West Virginia wants something else which again is the polar opposite of what they want but if you want me to vote for it I won't like it yeah. but I'd vote for it if this is in it and there was a very good example of that in the financial crisis you remember um, when um, um, 2008, 2009, was, was it still, it was, yeah. was it still George Bush or was it, anyway, a bill came before Congress in relation, it was a very simple bill in relation to protecting the banking sector, it was about nine pages long at the time in relation to saving the banking sector in the mm. States. By the time the bill got through Congress, might have taken a number of months to do it, the bill became 900 pages long in that it had exactly as Luke says there, these slightly odd um, bits and pieces from North Dakota down to New Mexico and from California over to um, Georgia. Bits and pieces that had to be added to the bill to make those that were from those constituencies happy with the bill. Basically pork barrel is what it was. So yeah. It does happen, it does happen. And it so will happen on this, I suspect. Oh, it will. And the thing about it is, you talk about numbers, okay, and like, you know, the states is all the figures and all the rest of it. And you talk about the approval rating. Why is the approval rating important? Because you have these sort of optics that are out there in relation to it and how people feel. Okay, but then you, how they feel and how they go to vote. Before, I, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. 2018, Trump's approval ratings in the final poll before the election were in the low 40s. So what happened? The Republicans lost 40 House seats and the majority. 2010, Obama's approval rating had dipped to 45 and Democrats lost 63 seats and the majority. Okay, and in, Clint, in 1994, Clinton's approval rating was 46 and the Democrats lost 53 seats and the majority of it. So the evidence is fairly conclusive. Mm. You've got a year, they have a year, this is in relation to president versus midterm elections. There's a year now for the Democratic Party to kind of try and get its act together vis-a-vis -vis how it implements its, um, its programme from a presidential point of view, um, or else they're in deep trouble. The culmination... Or else they're in deep trouble, or else they're in deep trouble come the, um, this time next year when you're into midterm elections. And if you lose Congress and you lose the Senate, well, then it's a case of the Republican Party sitting it out oh, yeah. and having a go two years He's, a lame, he's for, a lame duck. Yeah. He's a, he's a lame duck. In a first term. Can I, can I suggest something since um, the elections of where, where Biden has come in? It's been a massive anticlimax for America compared to what's gone before. Donald Trump love him, hate him, whatever your stance is, but it's so media-driven, it's so in-your-face, there's always something to talk about, whatever, and Biden, in all of a sudden, there's been there's been a kind of a puncturing of that kind of blue, because, like, I mean, you were always watching CNN at some yeah. point during the week to catch up with what had been going on. Well, right? it's, 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 yeah. And, I mean, people's, people's interest from a point of view of following stuff, right? You'll follow stuff if you if you if you if it, if it's kind of, I don't know how, how do you put it, not exciting, but it, that it, that that it's uh, controversial. Mm. You'll follow it, and you have an interest in it. Mm. And there's been, I suppose, Biden has gone back to doing basic politics of getting stuff through, but it's not it's not there with regards to the kind of the. The razzmatazz yeah, of it all. Yeah, no, that's it's a good point, but it's there's no you're not going to get P.T. Barnum. You're not going to get kind of Fawcett's three ring circus with Joe Biden. You're not going to get. You're that. not. That's the thing. You're, you're not, not going to get a complete, that. It's a complete black and white scenario to to where we've come from. 
absolutely. But here's the kicker, or here's the thing. If you look at it then, and it's referenced there in that CNN analysis of those figures, elections are never won and this is no matter what country you're in in the world, elections aren't won. They're not won from the extremes. They're not won from the out there right or the out there left. They're won ultimately from the centre. And the centre, that, that, that's a guarded type of people that keep a close eye and look on things and work their vote in how it is that they feel. And that was a good example. I think that the, the Virginian gubernatural one on Tuesday night, the Republican, um, it, they took it from the Democrats, the Republicans. It's a big one. It's kind of, kind of made people very nervous. But it was taken because the Republican candidate worked to the centre. A lot of unease, uh, from ordinary working people in Virginia, a lot of unease about education and how COVID has been dealt with in the schools. Simple bread and butter, basic, getting stuff done type of politics. So if Biden's and Biden's administration can kind of, kind of re- work their ship over the next 12 months and concentrate on, as they say there in the piece, and as Lucas said, getting things done. It's like you saw the bounce that he had, the, the, the antithesis of the Trump thing in the first couple of months when he got the vaccination program from zero to 100 really, really quickly. You can do it. It can be done. Um, God, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm you're very optimistic I'm, I'm perilously close to Barack Obama <laughs> invocations there. You don't want that. Yeah. But no, it, it, politically, this is the interesting thing, politically it can be done. Now there are, like I said, it's a good time for this to happen, what happened on, in, in, well, in, well, on Tuesday night. Possibly so, but I, I know, Tom, you've been missing out on your sort of weekly dose of CNN and, you know, you want to listen to the sexy stuff and see what happens as well. But now, I, I could play you five minutes of Tucker Carlson, right? But... Uh, we we don't have time, right? No, no, and, that's and a, that's a, see that's a, that's that's the extreme of of kind of yeah, it just lies and fabricate and and, yeah. and playing to it. That, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying the show is. I know. Yeah, Trump yeah, is yeah. Very, and but the thing is, what, that's what it, it's about, and it's about controlling the media. And we're it's a topic we're going to come back to uh, because of just across across the pond, shall we say? We're going to allude to it later on in the show. But this whole thing um, in relation to it. So I, I I'm going to try and be. Like like Fox News, fair and balanced, right? So I'm going to play two clips. One is from Fox News with their analysis after the results of the elections the, the other night. And the second one is basically a bit from CNN, okay? Can, can I just, one last thing before you slip, uh, clip on to the to, to different, um, what do you call it, that you have there? Uh, and that is, Biden hasn't been helped with the whole vaccination scheme because the Republicans have held fairly staunch in relation to not believing the vaccine and they were very Trump orientated that they're not getting it. So all of a sudden you've got this, the cases rise because half of the population in America, or quite a considerable amount, just weren't getting vaccinated because of mm. their beliefs through the Republican ethos and Trump and all the bits and pieces that went with it. And all of a sudden case numbers have gone up because you haven't had, would that be true to say? Um, well, you could argue case numbers have gone through the roof here, Tom, with 91% of the population vaccinated. Yeah. That could be a whole other discussion. There is, uh, without a doubt, and I think especially down in the south, the vaccination uh, in the states has stalled. Right? There are some states in America where less than 50% of the population mm. are vaccinated. They have the vaccines. It's just people don't, don't want them, don't believe in it and think it's fake news. 
No, we shouldn't, it shouldn't be political. That's the thing. The vaccine shouldn't be political. No, but but it, has been it should be health issue. It has been 100% political. We see the whole thing. There's a lot of, you know, it's becoming, <laughs> as we're two years into it now, or a year and a half into it, there is a lot of element in any country, even here in Ireland, politics is becoming part of it as well. You know, politics and you look at it's, basically it's if you compare it to Ireland, how many people have been saying for months, "Oh, get rid of effort." Yeah, you know? I'm saying, this is politics. They, they this ruined is last the Christmas for us. Oh, they yeah. wanted to shut the place. You know, then <laughs> against their wishes, oh, the place was opened up, and look what happened. Mm. You by know, the, by the way, the lads in the scene are the, they were saying that that, that caption or that headline of "not good." You actually use that quite a bit when you say "not good." So, <laughs> <laughs> not good, Bob. <laughs> right, listen. I'm going to start with uh, Sky. Uh, sorry, not Sky News. Uh, Fox News. Joe Biden completely deflecting blame for his party's poor performance in this week's elections. I'm not sure that I would be able to have changed the number of very conservative folks who turned out who were Trump voters. People are upset and uncertain about a lot of things from COVID to school to jobs, cost of the, the a gallon of gasoline. The president was right about one thing, that people are upset about a whole lot of things. Well, that was my favorite thing in the world about that moment yesterday, is that this was clearly a repudiation of everything the Democratic Party has done. But think of this like a restaurant. The voters were like, this food sucks. And the Democrats were like, I've got it, bigger portions. <laughs> I'm like, are you stupid, Joe Biden? He really shouldn't With have been the anywhere near. better agenda. I mean, but that, this was a rejection. If you look at the exit polls in Virginia, what were the priorities? The priorities were taxes. The priorities were education. Okay, they weren't COVID, as he said, some folks are upset about COVID. And education is not a right-wing issue. It is an issue. You know, we need education. That's why I think Biden should just at this point stick to doing what he does best, which is sleeping through meetings. Mm -hmm. True. At this point, though, Jimmy, are you worried that the Democrats are so singularly focused on forcing this agenda down everybody's throats, an agenda that nobody wants, nobody wants, that they are going to ignore logic and, oh, wait, votes. This is this is Biden's dad training, corrupting his presidency. You know when the family's on vacation and dad wants to go see the biggest bowl of yarn in Missouri? Right. But nobody's <laughs> like, I don't want to see a bowl of yarn. I'm not even going to get any selfie okay, likes out of this. for yourself. But, but, well, there, that's you. But that's how you roll. <laughs> but the point is, he won't pull over. And this, the fact that uh, they're not capable of self-reflection in this moment is why it went bad and will continue yeah. to go bad. The thing that I thought that was really fascinating about the Democrats' reaction to Virginia and even New Jersey um, was that it was such a divide. It was such a divided reaction. When you think about how President Biden and Nancy Pelosi they're doubling down and saying, "Well, the reason we lost is because we didn't pass our legislation, <laughs> so we're going to go full steam ahead mm -hmm. with the Build Back Better plan." And then Joe Manchin is saying, "No, the reason we lost is because we're tr we're pushing this stuff." on Americans that don't want it. They don't want it. And if you look at the polling, there was an ABC, I believe, Ipsos poll that came out last week on the Build Back Better agenda. Uh, most people don't think it'll make a difference. 32% of the respondents think it'll hurt people like them. 25% think it'll help. 18% think it'll make no difference at all. So the fact that they're still doing this, like, demonstrates some level of tone deafness, does it not? And I know that's an intelligent point from a guy who looks like me, but, you know, sometimes you got to make them. <laughs> no, that is the... That's fascinating. That's interesting. What's, that, what's Bowley yarn, by the way? That was I was curious, I don't know what, 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 what dad wants to go off and see bully yarn. I was like, what's bully yarn? Probably a bit like seeing sheep get cheered, I'd say, Tom, or something okay. like that. So. Lovely, lovely. When I listen to that, and I don't, I, I, don't, I don't really listen to Fox News or anything like that, I don't yeah. have those kind of channels, but when I listen to that, okay, maybe you might say I am coming from a biased perspective on these things, but that to me sounds like people that are a bit nervous, that if this agenda that Biden wants to pursue are 
present to the American people if it got traction. That uh, that's why they're trying to trash it so much. That this actually is the type of agenda. It's like a Rooseveltian in a lot of ways mm. um, way of doing things. A kind of a New Deal. Um, that to me makes me feel that they're nervous if this thing gets through. You know, Joe Manchin there is trying to kind of stymie it or put it down because he feels that, um, you know, American people don't want it. No, it's he doesn't want it. Yeah. Or it's the, the right wing don't want it. And the interesting little subtext of that Virginian, that's what they talk about there, the Virginian gubernational on this, is that the, the person who won it, the Republican who won it, he isn't a monster raving loony Trumpite. Mm. He was deliberately distancing from yeah. the whole Trump circus. You know, so... Yeah. I think that kind of um, republicanism, in, if, if, you, if you want to take a look at the, um, the election from that perspective, if we put aside the, the Biden administration, Democrat perspective minute, and have a look at the Republican perspective of that election, um, it's not about the Trumpian razzmatazz, as Thomas calls it there. Now, maybe the Republican Party or Republican voters are shifting away a little bit from that. Now, I, <laughs> that remains to be seen time will tell but yeah. that's an interesting little subplot of that particular gubernatorial election yeah. as well right I'm now going to play a bit from CNN and which has uh, comments from the president <clears throat> um, as leader of the Democratic Party how much responsibility do you take for the dismal results in Virginia and the well look yesterday reminded me of uh, that one of the sacred rights we have is to be able to go out and cast our votes and remember that we all have an obligation to accept the legitimacy of these elections. I was talking to Terry to congratulate him today. He got 600,000 more votes than any Democrat ever has gotten. We brought out every Democrat about there was more votes than ever has been cast for a Democratic incumbent. I'm not incumbent, a Democrat running for governor. And no governor in Virginia has ever won when he's of the same or he or she's the same party as the sitting president. What I do know is, I do know that people want us to get things done. They want us to get things done. And that's why I'm continuing to push very hard for the Democratic Party to move along and pass my infrastructure bill and my Build Back Better bill. I think if we, look, think about what, we, what we're talking about here. People are upset and uncertain about a lot of things from COVID to school to jobs to a whole range of things and the cost of the, the, a gallon of gasoline. And so if I'm able to pass signing the law, my Build Back Better initiative, I'm in a position where you're going to see a lot of those things ameliorated quickly and swiftly. So, so that has to be done. Responsibility, and do you think that Terry McAuliffe would have won if your agenda had passed before election day? Well, uh, I think we should have passed before election day, but I'm not sure that I would be able to have changed the number of very conservative folks who turned out in the red districts who were Trump voters, but maybe, maybe. No, I, I, I know we did, but I, we also, I was running against Donald Trump. Now, what he's alluding to there is basically uh, Joe Biden won the presidential election in Virginia by 10% the year before. And the Democrats suffered uh, three top statewide offices. They lost to three of them in the, in the election. So that's what they're yeah. referring to in, in Virginia. And 
I suppose you'd say they lost some ground in the suburbs and did nothing to stem Republican gains in rural enclaves. Failed to recognise the potency of core Republican arguments or produce arguments to negate them. And misjudge the strength of anti-Donald Trump messaging a year removed from his time in office. You know, that's basically what, what it boils down to. You know, so at least, you know, you call that, that's normal politics, Tom. That was uh, Biden at a press conference. You know, Trump didn't really do press conferences. Mm, he no. did his own sort of uh, propaganda, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what you sort of call boring yeah. politics. See, that's not sexy. People don't want to listen to there, it. Interesting though, in, in his tone or, or, or uh, at, at the end of it there, which kind of gives light to the, <laughs> or totally kind of throws my theory out the window, um, he, he does seem to feel, or he, you get it from when he talked about the red Trump voters, yeah, he does still seem to feel that in Virginia that Trump is a factor or is a significant factor mm. um, in, in, the, in, in, in the Republican um, turnout, if you want to call it that. But I think the big thing there is those bread and butter issues. Uh, he talked about them there. I think they talked about them on CNN as well, maybe in a slightly different context, yeah. education. But I think the issue there, if you drill down into it, when you read about it, it's how the administration of the COVID pandemic impacted on education in the state of Virginia, I think is the big issue there. Yeah. I think that's the big issue. Uh, just the frustration, no more so than we had it here, having had kids not being able to attend school for, 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 for most of last year. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, time for reflection, most definitely over the next year. Um, but I do still think that if you get things done, as you say there, and as Joe Biden says there, if you get stuff done, um, things that, will be, that will be reflected. That will be reflected in the centre ground where it is that elections are actually won. But he has to get these two. He's got to get these two agendas through. Yeah. The house. That's that's yeah, uh, in some form everything. Or some everything, form everything is riding on this basically. Well, they've kind of built them up now, and he's done it there himself as well. You know, wily, clever politicians, and he is as wily and as clever and as and and and, and as experienced in the Congress as anybody. You know, they mightn't talk about them, but now we're talking about you know the Build Back Better bill, the infrastructure bill. They're kind of being they're they're being set into people's minds now so you're kind of you know you're kind of going in poker terms you're kind of going a little bit all in with these like you know it'll be a little bit like Tom when we come back to talk about Ireland you'll have the climate action plan action plan Ca action wait. plan action plan action plan before we do that I think are we finished in America yeah I think so we have to wait and see what happens okay mm -hmm. we'll take a break we'll play a song That was a random song inserted by us into uh, the debate there. Now, we are going to go from one person of note to another. Tom, we're going across the pond, okay? And we're not starting with your good friend, Boris. Okay. Okay, we're going to talk about a man called Owen Patterson. I've heard of a Patterson that plays for Leicester City. <laughs> yeah, this, this lad isn't um, a soccer player. <laughs> but... It's going to bring us back full circle to something we've spoken about previously on this programme. Okay, right? very good. So very just, good. Uh, mm -hmm. stand by and we'll play this. The charges are very serious. The member repeatedly 
Over a sustained period, lobbied officials and ministers on behalf of his paying clients, Randox and Lynn's Foods, from whom he was receiving more than £9,000 a month, as he still is. He pursued their commercial interests. When they, could not, when they could not get meetings with officials and ministers, he used his privileged position as a Member of Parliament to secure them. Providing privileged access is a valuable um, service. He promoted what he called Randox's superior technology. He wanted the government to use Randox's calibration system. He repeatedly used his taxpayer-funded parliamentary office for commercial meetings. This is paid lobbying. In some shape or form, it has been banned since 1695, and expressly so since Cash for Questions, which brought this House into terrible disrepute in the 1990s. One Conservative member described it to me as a catalogue of bad behaviour. I have yet to meet a Conservative MP who has not said to me he clearly broke the rules. I think that includes the Leader of the House. He says that he was raising serious wrongs, but he did not say so at the time. If these were truly serious, you might have expected him to write articles or do interviews in the media, as he was perfectly entitled to do. He did not. He did the one thing he was banned from doing, lobby ministers time and again in a way that conferred a direct benefit on his paying clients. That is expressly forbidden. It is a corrupt practice. Now then, Paul, that is um, off uh, BBC Parliament from yesterday, and we'll say you could sort of uh, subscribe on the old tweet machine to a, a group called The Citizens. And that was uh, Rhonda Bryant uh, talking, uh, sorry, Chris, Chris Bryant, Bryant, I should say, sorry, yeah. uh, talking at the Chair Standards Committee yesterday in the House Commons, which was Wednesday. Now, uh, this is a scenario, Tom, where MPs voted by 250 to 232, a majority of 18, to approve an amendment to consider reforming the House of Commons standard system and prevent the immediate suspension of the Conservative former Minister Owen Patterson. Right? Mm -hmm. And the man that's responsible for all of this is your good friend Boris. Okay. He tore up the independent system for combating sleaze in Parliament on Wednesday as he threw the government's weight behind protecting a Conservative MP, Conservative MP who was found to have repeatedly breached lobbying rules. So he's protecting his own? Pretty much. Paul? Yeah. He, he, he's protecting himself in a lot of ways as he's well. He's throwing the rule book into the fire. Fish rots from the head is what they say. Isn't that the old phrase that they use? I, now, some people describe this, I suppose, and they might say it's, it's, it's real political architecture and it's only you know kind of condensed within Westminster and it's not really make any difference to the people it's not about getting things done but um, I think myself that this was probably the most awful or one of the most awful days in in in, in Westminster yesterday when that um, uh, amendment proposed um, by the former leader of the house Andrea Leadsom um, to allow a MP, Owen Patterson, as you say, who was a former minister in Northern Ireland, um, allow him um, to get off the hook in relation to how it is that he had been investigated by a parliamentary standards 
Watchdog and Parliamentary Standards Committee. Which, is, which is sort of independent-ish in that it has people from both sides. Yes, all sides absolutely. The committee is structured in such a way that you have Conservatives, you have Labour, you have Scottish National Party. Um, it's, it's of mm. your peers deciding. Um, we dealt with this in a slight way before, maybe not with the actual architecture, but the actual implementation of it in Northern Ireland, in North Antrim with Ian Paisley Jr. If you might remember two years ago, Ian Paisley had to leave Westminster for 30 days, also faced a recall. This is part of the architecture that's there. You can face a recall if enough people in your constituency decide that what you did was wrong. Um, it's like that old, um, is it the Greek term, ostracised? In, 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 ostracised yes. comes from, uh, somebody gets kicked out of it if, if you're not happy with their performance, not just at an election. But Paisley faced this because of um, holidays he had received from people that were asking him to do things, holidays out in the islands in the Indian Ocean. So he faced that whole process. This same process um, was faced by that MP, former Minister Owen Patterson, which has gone on for the last year or so, in that he had been accept accepting money, a monthly sinecure from two companies from Northern Ireland, to um, ironically, lobby. ironically, lobby, yeah. Well, that was again. This is where his experience was in Northern Ireland. So this is what you expect. People recognise a politician has experience in a certain field or from a certain area, and they say, "Oh, he could be useful to me." Um, Owen Patterson MP is still a sitting politician, still a member of of, of the Houses of Westminster, and accepts this ten thousand pounds a month from these companies to do his job. Now, to me or to anybody. Um, I think this is a very serious affront to any democratic system. Um, we have our own versions of it in America, and or sorry, we have our own versions of it, maybe slightly diluted here in Ireland. It is an issue with these democratic systems, with our public representatives, but it's grotesquely blatant in Westminster in that you can sit as an MP and at the same time draw money from private sources to work on their behalf. Do you think about it, Tom? That's 100,000 sterling a year. Exactly, right. yeah. It's significant uh, money. What kind of decisions would they be looking to make? Taxation decisions or from uh, land rezoning decisions? What Anything. kind well, of... You can, you, 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 there's probably the, 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 the massive example of it in the last 12 months outside of Owen Patterson would be the former Prime Minister, David Cameron, who was held in sinecure after he left office by some um, Australian company that had a brand new idea of how it is that the public service could work from a kind of a software um, spreadsheet-y type of, of view. This company were on their knees at the start of the pandemic and he did a lot of quiet lobbying to Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, in relation to getting special government funding for them to keep afloat. You know, these are companies, these are billion dollar companies, billion pound companies that are floating on the stock exchange that are going to make huge money for their owners or for their founders. And they always have a person from politics um, that, might be, there, that yeah. might be there to, 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 to put a quiet word in the ear of whatever minister on their behalf. Yeah. This is continuous. Robert Jenrick, a former minister in, in, gov in, in government with, with Boris Johnson, he was by the seat of his pants in relation to rezoning of land, took money from a publisher, Desmond, and um, well, yeah, then the zoning of a particular plot of land in London changed, whereby Desmond, um, Richard Desmond, where Desmond didn't have to pay over 40 million euro in kind of public funds for the zoning that was there. You know, yeah. this stuff, it's, 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 it's chronic, I yeah, think, in Westminster. And, and there's a Paul Waugh, who's a man uh, also on the tweet machine <coughs> yesterday, had a, a quote, said, this isn't a good look. No, this is from the Labour side, so this is the politics <coughs> side of things. Mm. Labour analysis suggests that of the 59 backbench MPs who have signed up to the motion, Scrapping the Standards Committee, nearly a quarter of them, 14, have been found themselves to have breached parliamentary <laughs> standards. Right. 
right? So, so this uh, is Turkey's voting for Christmas. Uh, uh, or exactly. And now, Paul, just as we were uh, doing the final bit of research for the program this morning, aka about three minutes before we started, I went to that bastion of uh, um, real news, the Daily Mail, right? Where I have seen uh, the headline. Boris does a screeching U-turn, with U-turn in big words, uh, letters, on lobbying scandal. He humiliating drops attempt to save Owen Patterson from 30-day suspension following massive outcry 24 hours after ordering Tories to vote for it. So maybe the mood music might change a little but this bit. Is, but this is, why, this is what makes it so ridiculous. You know, you actually, you march, you're the grand old Duke of York, you're marching your troops right up to the top of that hill, you're making them, you know, vote for this um, amendment to kind of totally undermine the system that's in place to watchdog events. And then you're saying a day later, like the mood music, if you call it that, in leading up to this, you know, it wasn't like this came as a bolt from the blue. You know, yeah. This is pretty obvious stuff. The man walking down the street um, can tell you that mm, I don't like the sound of this. Mm. You know, you're voting to not get rid of the over or to get rid of the oversight that we might have put in place because we had such problems here which before. Which in the past, yeah. we had cash for questions in in, 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 in in the UK. We had the expenses scandal in the UK. Mm. Now we have this here yeah. again. And but, but it's all okay, Paul, because my my big man Jacob Rees-Mogg who's the Commons leader. Mm. He announced the government has dropped plans for a retrospective overhaul of Slee's rules after a huge backlash at the, quote, politically motivated decision. The, mo the move means a motion on suspending Patterson for 30 days for lobbying rule breaches, as was recommended by the Cross Standards Committee, is now set to be brought before the House again. Like, you know, again, this is... But, you is this is, but it's completely undermining, um, as I say, Boris Johnson from a point of view No, of but he's undermined himself. He's undermined himself, but the, yes, yes, but that's how what I'm stupid are these people politically? You know, we're dealing with the Brexit, which is ongoing, and we'll have that in the context of Northern Ireland in the next couple of days or next couple of weeks as well. Like, you would have to say, how, you know... How stupid are they actually? But I mean, you, you, we were speaking off earlier on about advisors, right? To let's say to different MPs and to, to politicians and so on. And the amount of advisors out there with, with regards to expert, um, you know, opinions on different bits and pieces before they float something or before they bring it out into the into the mm. um, do you know what I mean to the public domain. And I mean, something like this would he been told? Oh, look, it'll be fine. It'll be grand. You'll, be get, you'll get support or whatever. That you won't have a backlash like this. That you'll you'll be able to sweep this under the carpet. We'll be able to get yeah. our amendment through. Yeah. And everyone will be grand. Who's going to really care at the end of the day? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, but it's obviously backfired massively. Yeah. But, but this was backfiring Tuesday, Monday before they even had the vote. This was looking. This was quacking like a duck, walking like a duck, talking like a duck from three or four days ago. If you or your advisors can't see this, then I go back to what I pointed made you are extraordinarily stupid but i mean is it the politicians that have come back to him and with with this mood music and said whoa maybe not this isn't a good idea but or is it or is it a public outcry that has basically that they that they've basically uh, put the feeders out there yeah. and go this isn't going to run this it's is very early it's it, it, this is a yeah, yeah, this this breaking news i just tell you Patterson, he's the tory mp for north shropshire and he was found to have committed <coughs> a, and this now is from the daily mail right which wouldn't exactly be a bastion <laughs> of supporting a uh was a you know normal he was found to have committed Quote, an egregious breach of standard rules by divertly advocating for two companies from which he pocketed some 500,000 sterling. From two companies, mm. right? He continues to deny any wrongdoing, saying he would do it all again. 
<laughs> and has called for the Standards Commissioner, Catherine Stone, to resign. Something that was endorsed by the Business Secretary, Quasi Quartank, just hours before the about turn. Today, Rees Mogg has said, and this is Thursday, uh, it is important that standards in this House are done on a cross party basis. Mm. Good God Almighty. Yeah. It's, it's, if that is the case today, it's an extraordinary turn of events. Like as I said, as you march all your troops up the hill to kind of force a whip on them, and this is coming from Downing Street, this is coming from Boris Johnson, um, to, to vote in this manner on, on, on Wednesday, and then by Thursday, um, you've totally, you turned totally about turned, and like I say, an ordinary, you know, very you know, nobody, not in the in the bubble of of politics. Maybe that's the issue. Actually, being in a Westminster bubble thinks allows you to think that you can get away with this, or being in a in a Leinster House bubble, or being in a Washington bubble, um, maybe makes you think you can get away with this and kind I mean, of stuff. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, the um, the MP there, uh, Patterson. Do you remember the terminology that was used in the United States with, through the elections and before when someone was 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 kind of, uh, I can't think of the, the, the word for it, but the fact that he was accusing the standards that she should resign. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Attack is the best form of defence. So we'll yes, there was a term that, 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 that's come up in the last few years specifically related to America, and Trump would do it all the time. What's the, what's the terminology? I'll think of it now. Well, it's like the old Lyndon, because politics is rotten, politics is dirty, but it's like the old Lyndon Johnson kind of adage that I know the son of a bitch don't beat his wife, but I want to see him having to deny it in public, <laughs> you know. There is a touch of that with, with, with Patterson and Quateng there um, in trying to get rid of the commissioner on that, like, you know, as well. Yeah. It's nasty. Yeah, like, and there's still cases going on. There are eight... Um, investi- eight politicians, including the <coughs> cabinet minister, Theresa Coffey, who are currently being probed for breaches. Uh, Parliamentary Standards Commissioner Catherine Stone has indicated she has no intention of resigning, despite Patterson calling for her to step down. Yeah, well, see, that's what that's what the amendment looks like. It's not just a specifically about Patterson. Whilst it is a Patterson amendment, it looks like it's a lot of people, no more so than Ian Paisley Jr., a lot of MPs that are kind of slightly nervous. But that indicates a culture. That indicates you've got an issue here in the Houses of Parliament. And it's not as if you have it suddenly developed in the last couple of weeks. This thing, we've had cash for questions. We've had the expenses um, debacle just 10 years ago. Westminster, you've got an issue. You've got a massive problem. You can see it in the implementation or the execution of Brexit, where it's basically lie after lie after lie, where it's strategic breaking of international law when it comes to Northern Ireland. You know, there's a big, massive problem there in Westminster when it comes to how it is a democratic parliament works. Yeah. There seems to be a, like a, a massive grey area. That, let's say there's simple rules of you can and you can't do something or in, in a representation form that if you're going to represent someone, there can't be any, as I say, monetary value or remuneration to, to what you do. Yeah. Do you no, know? There has to be a simple... It's there, grey. There Even we have our own version of it here, which makes me uneasy, this, 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 this nice movement between kind of politicians into the kind of private sector. I've, I've give you two examples, Brian Hayes, the Fine Gael MEP, who moves into the Banking and Payments Federation as their CEO um, straight away after giving up his MEP job. You have Michael Darcy, I think we talked about this, the senator from the Senate, who moves into another representative body in relation to mutual funds or something like that, without you know having a kind of a period um, of reflection. Um, and and these are people that are in, you know, these are people, for instance, Brian Hayes, you can quote him, he talked about, we have to have a banking sector back in the banking crisis. So and, that's and a nice little and one. And guess, Tom, where did he go after it? 
the, the banking the payments federation yeah. so we have this here it's, it's you'd be uneasy about it even here in ireland we have another version of it here in relation to our media this kind of moving over and back between advisory roles to government ministers and back into the media um, is it all to do with connections then basically i, I suppose it is really isn't it it's connections you yeah. know it's tom, connections is it tom parland is the head of the, the consortium he was a former he was he was a minister in a significant so he'd minister. have he'd know yeah. the avenues this of, is of how to get things and done. this is what people and this is a business recognize this and they say we will use those people to our advantage but Westminster is the most blatant of all versions of it in that you are a representative you are there in Parliament you are representing your constituency and at the same time you can have a hundred grand a year from yeah. a private source to kind of ask quietly on their behalf to deal with whatever yeah it, it um, does it does sort of undermine the sort of feelings that you would think of trying to be politically fair and uh, objective like so it's 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 a, it's a uh, as i say it's it's um what you call it it's lobbying for lobbying for yeah. cash lobbying for cash yeah. okay, got, it was a one iteration cash for Ca- yeah. cash for questions yeah. scandals yeah. Oh, God, don't start on the cash for <laughs> <it>. <laughs>